0: this is a charles russell Speechley's podcast
1: thank you for joining us for keeping up with construction my name is james worthington i'm a partner in the construction team at charles Russell Speechley's. in this episode we're going to look at project handover which is always a key part of any project uh, in particular we're going to look at how to make it successful from a project management perspective to help us look at this i'm joined by dan webster uh, a partner of gardner and theobald Dan is a project management specialist. Um, he's also worked as a QS, so he's seen it from uh, both those perspectives. Uh, he's got 15 years experience as a project manager uh, specializing in office developments, uh, in particular uh, large scale complex developments and, and uh, fit-out works. He's also working with my colleague Fiona Edmund at the moment uh, on a large development at Soho Place for Durham in London. Uh, Dan should therefore have some great insight on how to successfully hand over a project. Uh, thanks for joining me, Dan.
0: Thanks, James, and thank you for the, uh, the kind introduction.
1: Uh, we're going to talk about Project Handover. Uh, Why, from your perspective, is that important, and what are the most important aspects of it?
0: So I think the first thing I'd say, uh, James, is just to give a definition in terms of what we consider Project Handover. Um, a lot of people would perceive it as just practical completion, but from our perspective, it, it's not solely that. It's the preceding activities that, that lead into that, that critical milestone on the project. Ultimately, it's the the culmination of all the efforts that have gone before through design, planning, procurement, and obviously the construction phase. Um, There's a lot at stake, uh, fundamentally, um, and as a result of what is at stake, there's there's often tension between the various parties, um, the client, the, the consultant team and the contractor. And a key part of our job as project manager and employer's agent is to make sure the processes and procedures are in place such as no ambiguity in terms of the deliverables are expected at that critical juncture. Um, if I were to use an analogy, I'd say we act as a plane pilot and, and what, we, what we're seeking to make sure happens is that we have a nice controlled, calm, uh, consistent uh, landing. You know, We want to avoid turbulence at all times. So in terms of uh, project uh, handover, the most important aspects Uh, making sure fundamentally that we have a a product that everyone is proud of, client, contractor, and the professional team. That's what we all get out of bed for. We want that sense of achievement. It's about delivering a a project that's of the highest build quality. It's about making sure we deliver a scheme that operates as per the design requirements. It's fully tested and commissioned and can be effectively demonstrated to the client team. It's making sure that practical completion is properly documented and that it's, it's dealt with in a timely manner but also it's about not just focusing on on handover and practical completion it's also on the transition to the client's building management team making sure there's a soft landing uh, for the for the operational team um, and also the uh, tenants who are ultimately going to move in into that building
1: thanks dan that's a really great overview of some of the issues that uh, matter when handing over a project well the first thing she mentioned was it was ensuring that the build quality is of the highest standard. Uh, it's obviously really important in any construction project. When you're looking at build quality, what are some of the things you do uh, as project managers to ensure that it is of the um, highest standard?
0: You're right. Um, you know, the highest standards of design construction, complying with a brief, the employer's requirements and all relevant legislation is, is, is critically important for us. Um, when you get to this you know, stage of a project, uh, moving towards handover, um, that there is a clear tension in place between uh, maintaining uh, the quality that we're seeking to achieve and program. Uh, it's human nature, I think, that when you know, a project is at that critical juncture um, and you're in that, that run to the finish, that sometimes uh, people will, will seek to cut corners. Um, what we you know, endeavor to do is to avoid not doing justice to the quality of the design by rushing to complete those works. So again, it's about putting in place the structures and procedures to make sure that happens. So the the types of things we're talking about there, uh, through the design phase, um, we would look to make sure that um, uh, peer reviews are undertaken at the end of key design stages uh, to make sure that the design is properly thought through and well coordinated. We wanna be able to sell the design to the supply chain when we're procuring the works and making sure it's coordinated and hence, there's limited risk in the design is one of the key things for us. Uh, likewise, we'd seek to engage the supply chain early, uh, seek buildability advice and feed that buildability advice into the design, such that when it lands with the contractors, what is on the paper they know can, can be constructed. During design and procurement, um, one of the things we would focus on in terms of ensuring that level of quality is opportunities for design for manufacturer or DFMA. There's a real focus on this in the industry at the moment. Um, the ability to manufacture in a quality in a uh, factory controlled environment ensures that the highest standards are, are, are delivered um, that's something that's not always possible when you're working on site um, and you're having to deal with the environmental conditions that that obviously uh, derives during construction we'd also often look to engage a compliance monitoring team or, or a clerk of works. Um, Those uh, individuals would be monitoring the contractors designed for uh, compliance with the employer's requirements um, and also monitoring the quality of the installation, again, for for compliance. And they're a really valuable member of the team. They prevent complacency um, and they give a second pair of eyes and ears, which gives ultimately us as employer's agent and and the the client uh, added confidence. We would also look to implement a number of factory visits to make sure that the quality of manufacturer off-site is, is to the highest standards. It's much easier if we can identify any issues in that environment and they're more straightforward and more readily able to be solved in a, in a factory environment. Probably worth noting that during COVID, we've obviously been having to do that remotely, whether it be using uh, pre-recorded footage or or live footage, but it's given a really good insight in terms of how we can operate in the future. Previously, you might have teams of 10 to 15 people going overseas, whereas I think we've acknowledged now that you can do these things remotely and still get the same, same standard of output. Uh, we'd also look to implement mock-ups and benchmarks. Uh, a lot of our clients now are investing significant sums of money in bringing forward certain elements of the design, critical elements of the design, to make sure that they're absolutely clear in terms of what um, is going to be delivered for them. So that may include bays of the CATA install, uh, WCs, um, reception desks, to give them the confidence in terms of the, the, the final output.
1: Thanks. that's some really useful tips on how to maintain the quality of the build throughout the construction process and obviously linked to build qualities is commissioning Uh, you mentioned that earlier and it's obviously one of the key areas that needs to be focused on to ensure a smooth handover Uh, what are some of the things that you look at when thinking about commissioning
0: a properly commissioned building is key to the smooth transition into operation Where it's not properly commissioned, it can lead to a lot of tension with the facilities management team, the engineering managers and occupiers. So a key thing for us is to start the conversation early. It's often left too late and given insufficient focus or the the commissioning activities are too heavily overlapped with the building elements. So one of the first things we would seek to do is engage a verification engineer. We would also typically look to engage a water quality expert um, concurrently. Uh, water treatment is a is a key element of of any uh, commissioning activity, um, and hence they are a a role that we would we would recommend uh, is engaged client side. One of the first things that verification engineer would do is to undertake a commissionability review of the design. The important piece here is that the verification engineer is engaged early enough, such that if any items are identified or issues are identified as part of that verification review there's time to amend the design in order to reflect it in the final build such that the commissioning can uh, progress uh, without issue. The early production of a detailed programme is again important We want to make sure we've got full team buy-in of the sequence um, and durations that are allowed for within that commissioning programme. So that includes buy-in from the verification engineer, who we've mentioned earlier, the main contractor and their their supply chain. Early agreement of the scope of on-site and off-site testing is also important. Um, We've talked about design for manufacture, and it's similar when it comes to off-site testing, that if we can do um, testing in that environment, um, it allows it to be uh, a lot more controlled. We'd also suggest involving the facilities management team early on site to validate the installation, make sure that the install is readily uh, maintainable. What we don't want is a position where valves are not set in locations where they can be readily accessed for plan preventative maintenance filters etc. It's also important to properly understand the build elements that need to be complete to allow the commissioning to to progress. There are elements such as um, access control readers, the, the lift installation, door hold open devices that quite often will be uh, forgotten but play a critical part in allowing the commissioning sequence to, uh, to progress, um, particularly when it comes to um, the cause and effect testing at the end of that process. And finally, close monitoring of the commissioning activity schedule and robust document management procedures are important. We, we want to make sure that when tests are undertaken and witnessed that the comments are adequately captured. Tracked to close out, signed off, and then saved in a central location so we can put those issues behind us so we're not in the mad rush as we move towards the end of the process.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. And actually, um, making sure you have the right sign offs links to my next question, which is I know that when we um, we draft building contracts at the start of the project. We often include a, a, a list of documents and uh, things that need to be provided by kind of the contractor of practical completion. From your perspective, what are the ways you try and manage that process and, and the kind of run up to PC and to make sure that everything required by the contract is provided?
0: It's interesting when uh, uh, one of my colleagues, John Meredith, uh, attended one of these podcasts previously, he referred to a uh, the provision of a clean site at project commencement and handing over a clean site to contractors when they start their works and that included things like clearing all third-party issues utilities relocations asbestos removal etc there's a similar principle that needs to be followed when it comes to project completion ultimately we are seeking a clean completion and and the way to achieve a clean completion in my mind is to remove any ambiguity Now. The way we can go about removing ambiguity is to put greater definition to actually what we as employers agent or contract administrators mean by practical completion. Um, We will quite often use in the commercial uh, environment which we're we're working the JCT suite of contracts. As you'll know there's limited definition under the JCT suite in terms of what practical completion actually means. Makes reference to the health and safety file in the context of the CDM uh, regulations and as built drawings but what we'll seek to do is, is try and put greater definition to that and um, by producing a handover checklist that defines all of our expectations and lists out all of our requirements and we'd, we'd seek to uh, make sure that was included in the contract amendments. Uh, the other piece we'd look to make sure is that those contract amendments are drafted in such a way that any additional items that are reasonably foreseeable can be added uh, retrospectively once the, uh, the contractor has hit site. So, having got um, that checklist in place and and embedded within the the contract when we move towards completion we'll look to dust off that checklist well in advance of practical completion you mentioned a project that i'm working on with uh, fiona at the start of this session we're 10 months from completion on that particular project and we're in the process of doing that that at the moment reviewing the content with the main contractor agreeing any of those additional requirements which will ultimately just help manage the expectations between us and they um, as we we move towards the critical milestone. We've also talked about having robust document management procedures in place. Uh, One of the things we look to implement is the use of the electronic data management systems that the contractors will have in place to capture that documentation. And then it's just around regular review sessions to track progress, making sure people are accountable for their actions, good, honest core project management principles to to assist in uh, getting the project across the line.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good analogy to um, having a a clean project or a clean site to hand over to a tenant because obviously they're a really important part of this process Um, from the developer's perspective, from the landlord's perspective. They want to produce a product that the tenant is happy with and and can work with. When you're handing over to the, the, the tenant, what are the kind of key points that you look at to try and ensure that's a smooth process and that it works for them and and, and they're happy with it?
0: I guess, you yeah, know, to use another an, an analogy, as project managers, we act like a good mountaineer would act in that we don't just focus on on the summit. We don't just focus on on the the achievement of practical completion. We've got to look beyond that. We've got to look to the transition um, into building operation, the transition to tenants coming on board and supporting them through the process. To enable us to do that, there are certain things we we, we have to consider very early um, in the procurement process. So we will look to uh, provide optionality within the main contract documents, such as if the client desires it. Uh, a fit-out contractor can gain early access. It's not something that we always desire uh, because obviously it does bring about the challenges of having two contractors working uh, concurrently in, in, in the building. But ultimately, if that is what is required in order to align with the tenant's lease breaks on their existing premises, that's what we'll seek to facilitate. So we will draft up an access regime that access regime will include um, such things as how the out contractor would enter the site, both in terms of their personnel, but also in terms of materials, the use of goods lifts, um, the provision of safe routes, the alignment of fire management plans between the contractors working in the building, interfaces with other tenants um, and interfaces with the landlord's MEP systems, which are obviously uh, undergoing their commissioning process that we've talked about previously. We'd also look to include in the um, contract latest dates for implementation of changes we know that the tenants commonly request. So, those are things such as removal of catay, the provision of soft spots for stair openings, the provision of dedicated tenant reception desks automation of lobby doors and installation of tenant plants so generators for instance up on the roof of the building we'd also look to identify in the construction prelims the ability to support uh, tenant site visits and witnessing of commissioning activities and then back that off in the agreement for lease uh, such of those two critical uh, contract documents are back to back we'd also look to identify collateral warranties that need to be in place in in the tenant's favor in addition early preparation and agreement of Key documents such as the tenant fit out guide, which acts as the rule book for the main contractor carrying out the fit out works, and will also identify the process for uh, presentation, review, and approval of the tenant fit out design and the base build definition, CATA specification, and retail base build documents, it is important. And then we'd end with advising that the setting up of the procedures for sharing drawings and models with the tenants to prevent a false start it is really, really important. I'm very cognizant of the fact that the tenant's design team, once they're engaged, they're raring to go. And and quite often what happens is the information isn't available for them um, from from a base build perspective, and that can be incredibly frustrating. So there's a real focus from our side on making sure that information is available so they can hit the ground running.
1: Thanks, Dan, that's really helpful. Um, Some really helpful pointers on how to hand over a building and, and ensure ultimately a happy tenant at the end of it, and therefore a happy developer as well. If you found this podcast interesting, um, please also do listen to the podcast that Dan mentioned earlier uh, between uh, my colleague Fiona Redmond and, and John Meredith, another partner at GT, um, where they talked about uh, pre procurement and, and how to hand over a clean site to a contractor. Uh, but just like to finish by saying thank you again to Dan and thank you all for listening.
0: This is a Charles Russell Speechlease podcast.